Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts. Today, we continue our study of the kings of the Old Testament, and we come to King Jehoshaphat. Oh, what a fascinating study his life is. The principles that we are going to learn today out of the scriptures, I know that they are going to impact your life. After preaching this sermon, I got so much feedback from people who said, Pastor Chad, this stopped me in my tracks. Friends, King Jehoshaphat represents someone who, although he lived a great life, in many ways an excellent life, he made a bad decision. And like King Jehoshaphat, there are many who will never live to see the true consequences of their choices. King Jehoshaphat stands as a beacon of light to us, as a warning to us to make good decisions. Well, friends, I hope that you enjoy this episode of Awaken to Grace, the king who made a bad choice. Let's go 2 Chronicles chapter 17 today. We're in a series where we are highlighting and focusing on the kings of the Old Testament. Even more specific, we are studying the kings of Judah. Now, don't let yourself get confused as you read 2 Chronicles because remember what happened under King Rehoboam, which we studied two weeks ago. Under King Rehoboam, The nation of Israel, the kingdom, split. There was a civil war. Now, there, uh, in this time period, we see in the text, there is a northern kingdom of ten tribes, which is called Israel, geographically. The southern kingdom, which comprised of two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, is called the kingdom of Judah. What is significant and what you need to know as a student of the Bible is that both Jerusalem as well as the temple was located in the south. It was in Judah. And so the lineage of David stayed in Jerusalem. It stayed in the southern kingdom. And so what 2 Chronicles does is it traces the house of David. And why is that so significant? Because God made a covenant. God made a covenant with David that the Messiah would come out of his lineage. And it didn't matter how wicked the men of Judah became. It didn't matter how evil some of these kings were. The Bible says in the next story, which is going to be Joram, that the Lord would not break his own covenant. God was going to stay faithful. And we, as we study each of the kings of the southern kingdom, which is Judah, remember, this is the house of David. It's the Davidic covenant, and it is where the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ will come. It's fascinating scripture. Now, what we've seen so far as we're marching our way through Second Chronicles, let me just give you a one-minute recap. Who was the first king of Israel? King Saul. Remember, he was a head and shoulder taller than everybody else. I find it almost comical that he was a head and shoulder taller than everyone else, but yet he wouldn't face Goliath. The Lord rejected Saul, and the Lord in his place chose a ruddy shepherd boy named David. 
David became king of Israel, and who was his son? Solomon. Solomon. Solomon began well, but didn't finish well. Many lessons from his life. And where we picked our study up on the first week of June is with his son, Rehoboam, the grandson of King David. And we saw that Rehoboam, his fatal flaw was that he would not set his heart to follow the Lord. And then Rehoboam's son was Abijah. And Abijah did not do so well in his reign. And Abijah's son was Asa. Asa is one of the most fascinating studies in all of the Bible. He started out relying on the Lord and faced a mighty million-man army, the Ethiopians, and the Lord delivered him out of the hands of the Ethiopians. But then 30, 25 years later, Asa did not end well. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And he would not look to the Lord. He refused to rely on the Lord. He failed to repent. And God brought a disease into his feet, most likely gangrene. And it spread. It became very severe. And he died a very agonizing death. But do you know who King Asa's son was? One of the greatest kings in all of the Bible One of the best lives lived in all of the scriptures when it comes to the kings of Judah. And it was King Jehoshaphat. What an intriguing and fascinating story King Jehoshaphat is. He was the fourth king to reign in the southern kingdom of Judah. His life covers chapters 17 to 21 of 2 Chronicles, a large bulk of scripture. Last year in the series, The Battle Belongs to the Lord, I covered the mighty army that King Jehoshaphat faced, and that was in chapters 20, 21. I'm not going to cover that material today because it's in the Battle Belongs series. Today I'm going to focus on the first part of his life, or at least his kingship. I want us to look at chapters 17 and 18 and just a touch of 19. As most of you know, I'm completely blind, so I will do my best to walk you through these texts by memory. If I miss something, you'll forgive me, right? (laughs) It's all in the vault. Pray it gets unlocked today. Someone says, Pastor Chad, I cannot believe how much you memorize. I say, listen, I'm a one-trick pony. I go from Sunday to Sunday. Don't ask me what I said last Sunday. (laughs) I put everything into this week. King Jehoshaphat, what a remarkable man he was. Notice what the Bible says about him in chapter 17. The Bible says in verse number 3 that the Lord was with him. Boy, that says a lot right there. Can you say that in your own life? Can you look back over your past and see where the Lord has been with you and circumstance after circumstance? Can you see how God opened the doors for you as well as closed doors for you? Can you thank the Lord for every time that he said no as well as every time that he said yes? Are you thankful for the times in life that God says wait? Oh, what a thing it is to walk with the Lord. What a thing it is to know that God is with you every day of your life. What a precious thing. Friends, not everybody has that. 
And if you do, you ought to be mighty thankful for it. You ought to wake up every day with the ability to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice. And I'll be glad in it. Amen. And that doesn't mean your life is perfect. And that doesn't mean you've got it all together. That doesn't mean that you don't have trials and temptations and tribulations. But that's all right because tribulations are working in your favor. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says that tribulation worketh patience. Amen. And it says to let patience have its full effect in your life. Oh, my friends. Your troubles, they're at work in you right now, and they're working for you. Can you say amen to that? See, you can look at life that way when you realize the Lord's with you. You can look at circumstances like that when you realize he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I wasn't supposed to say all that. My goodness, we're never going to get to chapter 19. <laughs> he, he, the Lord was with them. Why? Because note this. He walked. Now, notice, notice what those who wrote Chronicles said. Uh, scholars believe that, that a group of, of scholars wrote Chronicles under the direction of Ezra. Very meticulous. Extremely detailed scriptures. And if you pay attention to each detail, oh, you'll begin to connect all of the dots. And then you'll get the 30,000 foot view. And, and listen, remember what we said Second Chronicles is? It is God's perspective. Notice what it says. He did not walk according to the ways of his father Asa because his father failed to repent. His father failed to look to the Lord. His father failed to rely on the Lord. But notice what it says. He walked in the ways according to his father, King David. Ooh. Today is Father's Day. You may not have had a father that done well. You may not have had a father that was a good model to you. You may not have had a father that taught you Christ. Well, let me tell you, you can overcome any circumstance in your life. King Jehoshaphat did. Asa did not end well, but Jehoshaphat's going to end well. And so note what it says. He sought the Lord and not Baal. Verse, I want you to note verse 3, and I want you to note verse 6. Rather than, well, why was God with him? Why did God establish the kingdom in his hand? Why? Because he walked according to the ways of his father David. He did not seek Baal. Now, that's going to come in huge in just a moment. When we get to chapter 18, I'm going to show you why these who chronicled the history of the kings... I'm going to show you why they inserted that little phrase. He sought the Lord and not Baal. You can't miss that. That's going to be critical. And then look at verse 6. I want you to note this. His heart was courageous in military might. No. His heart was courageous in his kingship. No. Courageous in economy. No. What's it say his heart was courageous in? In the ways of the Lord. Oh, my friends, I want to tell you today, it takes courage to obey God. It takes courage to walk in faith. It takes courage to do what God calls you to do. It takes courage to live this life the way God expects you to live. Let me ask you a question. Is your faith courageous today? 
Is your heart courageous and bold toward the things of God? Or are there things that God told you to do long way back and yet you still haven't done them? Is there delayed obedience in your life? Why? Because you don't have the courage to do what God told you to do. Friends, you must have courage. Some of you today, it's Father's Day today, and I want to say to some of you fathers, some of you, you need to have courage to set your home in order. You need to have courage to parent your children as God would expect. Some of you, where you work, you work in tough environments. You work in places where it is nearly impossible to share your faith or to be a light. My friends, you need courage in the ways of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to encourage you today, wherever you are, whatever season of life you're in, whatever stage of life you're at, wherever the Lord has placed you, let your heart be courageous toward the things of the Lord. Some of you are losing financially right now. You're like scripture says, you put money in bags with holes. What's that mean? You never have enough. There's never enough. And you feel like you're drowning today. Let me tell you, my friend, take courage and begin to do things God's way. Begin to do exactly as the Lord instructs. Begin to do exactly as the Lord commands. And what you'll find is that the Lord is with you. What you'll find is he'll place your hand, his hand over you. What you will find is that your heart will grow in courage in the ways of the Lord. And let me tell you, my precious friends, when you get the ways of the Lord straight in your life, everything else begins to straighten from there. Everything. Everything will become straight from there. Asa did not do well. He, he did not finish well. But King Jehoshaphat, oh, he's got an opportunity here. Asa captured ground and Asa did well in, in ways of military. And, and, and watch what his son's going to do. His son in verse number uh, one and two and then uh, down verses seven through the rest of the chapter. <clears throat> Jehoshaphat is going to strengthen the military. He's going to strengthen their positions. He, he was very wise. But then he did something that no other king had done yet. He took the law and he established teachers who was going to go throughout the kingdom of Judah teaching the law. Do you know what the principle is for us? You have to think right. You have to think biblically before you can live biblically. You have to think right before you can live right. That's what the word of God does. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Being transformed by the what? By the renewing of your mind. When you get the word in you, when you understand the principles of the word of God, which I'll remind you is eternal and going to last forever. Oh, my friends, that's what brings life change. The church doesn't change your life. The music doesn't change your life. The preaching does not necessarily change your life. It's the word in the preaching. It's the word in the music. Amen. It's the word that changes you. Are you in it every day? Are you partaking of it? Are you drawn to it? 
the Lord, Saturday morning, I woke up just with these scriptures burning in my soul. And I just spent time just going over, over and over and over them. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of God and meditates on it day and night. Is your faith a day and night faith? Do you wake up with the Lord and do you go to bed with the Lord? Do you rise with the word? Do you retire at night with the word? And then you know what the result is? Listen to me. Verse number, I believe, three, Psalms 1, 3. Then he will be like a tree planted by the streams of water who yields its fruit and its uh, leaf does not wither. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. That's the word of God, my friend. That's a promise that you can claim. That's a promise you can bring into your life. But here's the question. Are you doing things God's way? Is your heart courageous in the ways of the Lord? So what does he do? He establishes, he strengthens the military. He spreads the word all over the kingdom. He, and he, he, he brings teachers who's going to teach the people. And boy, at this point, Jehoshaphat just could not do any better. But now turn the page and let's look at chapter 18. Let me tell you the primary principle of King Jehoshaphat. The primary principle that we can learn from his life is this. While he was an excellent king, and while he did well, much better than his father's, he was not as effective as he could have been. I don't want that to be said of my life. I don't want to say, well... He followed the Lord, but he wasn't as effective as what he could have been. No. Listen to what he does. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 18. Jehoshaphat, who previously in chapter 17 said he sought the Lord and not Baal, makes a marriage alliance with Israel, the people to the north. He makes an alliance. Perhaps you've heard of this couple in the Bible. Anyone ever heard of King Ahab and his wife Jezebel? Oh. Jezebel permeates the pages of the Bible all the way to the book of Revelation. The spirit of Jezebel is seen even in the godless culture of the last days. Jezebel and her terrible husband Ahab were the king and queen of the north, which was the kingdom of Israel. They led the country in idolatry, in Baal worship. They were the most wicked couple in all of Israel's history. And what does King Jehoshaphat do? He marries his son into their family. He creates a military alliance. And his son, Jehoram, who we'll see next, marries the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Friends, I want you to note this if you're taking notes today. The danger of our lives is that you and I 
may not live to see the consequences of many of our decisions. Jehoshaphat had no idea what he was doing, not only to his family lineage, but also to the nation of Judah. He had no idea the grave mistake that he was making. And Jehoshaphat would not live to see the consequences of this unholy alliance. Jehoshaphat was not as effective as what he could have been. And by making this alliance, he became unequally yoked with darkness. Now the Bible warns us 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 14, Paul warns the church, do not become unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, of course, he's speaking in the context of marriage here, but I would also argue that that's in the context of business relationships. I would argue that that's in the context of even social your social life. I'm not saying that you isolate yourself entirely from unbelievers, but I'm telling you, you better be careful who speaks into your life. You better be careful who your close influences are. You better be careful who you constantly hang out with. And let me tell you, my friend, if they are unbelievers, you are unequally yoked. And when the scripture talks about being unequally yoked, the word picture there is taking a strong oxen and binding it to a weak ox. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, when it says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, what he's going to say next is what fellowship... Does light have with darkness? It cannot coexist. The Bible also says it this way. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. The Bible says, how can two walk together except they are in agreement? What in the world is Jehoshaphat doing? Making an alliance with Ahab and Jezebel to the north. He wasn't seeking the Lord, or the Lord would have halted him. Verses 1 and 2, he makes this marriage alliance. Basically, it's an arranged marriage between his son, Jehoram, and the daughter of Jezebel. And she is going to come in to play huge later on in just a few chapters. Matter of fact, she's going to reign Israel, uh, Judah. She's going to become the queen of Judah for a number of years. Oh, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Anyone heard of the boy king named Joash? It's this wicked woman that they're going to put to death by the sword and make the seven-year-old boy king, Joash, king. Oh, we'll be there in mid-July. Okay. So verse number three, I want you to watch what happens. Now, pay attention to this. The first phrase of verse number three says, now remember, the alliance has happened. Then it says, then some years later. How many of you know, you, for many of us, we don't just barge headfirst into sin and into downfall. It usually takes years. It's usually a gradual slide. You know, I'm so intrigued the scriptures say in the New Testament, I believe in Corinthians. Oh, you'll have to Google it. You, you can Google it. You'll, you'll find it. It says, beware 
lest you fall from your own steadfastness. It intrigues me that it doesn't say, beware lest you fall into adultery. Beware lest you fall into lying. Beware lest you fall into theft. Beware unless you fall into name whatever sin. No, where does it really begin? It begins when you fall from your own steadfastness. It begins when you start loosening up a little bit and you let this slide and you let that slide and this is no big deal and that's no big deal. How did Jehoshaphat start out so well that the Lord was with him? His heart was courageous in all the ways of the Lord. He sought the Lord and not Baal. And now he's made an alliance with those who worship Baal the hardest. How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. He failed from his own steadfastness. And if you are not careful, if you are not watchful, if you are not shepherding your marriage, and you are not shepherding your children, and you're not shepherding your home, where will your home be in 10 years? Be watchful. Be careful. Perhaps you've made mistakes in the past. Let me tell you, Jehoshaphat is a beacon of light to us. And let me tell you, it is not too late to, begun, to once again become courageous in the Lord. Amen? It is not too late to set your house in order. It's not too late to begin to go back to the enemy's camp and take back what he has stolen from you. Can you say amen? amen. He stands as a warning to us. So verse number three, I want you to watch what happens. Years later, he fell from his own steadfastness and Years later, Ahab, he goes up to see Ahab. He had no business being there. No business being there. None whatsoever. And he goes up to Ahab, and Ahab says, I'm going to go to war, and I want you to go with me. And do you know what Jehoshaphat does? He has such a desire for unity. He has such a desire to bring the kingdoms together. You know what he says? He says, I am as you are. And my people is your people. Friends, that's just simply not true. That is a false statement. Judah was not Israel. The Lord had rejected Israel. The Lord had rejected that lineage, that kingdom, that, the, the line of kings. The Lord had rejected their idolatry. The Lord rejected them, and he accepted Judah. Let me tell you something. You better not yoke yourself to what the Lord has rejected. And he thought it was okay. But Jehoshaphat had enough spiritual sense about him that in verse 4, look what he says. This is fascinating. He tells this wicked man. Oh, I can't tell you how wicked Ahab was. And Jehoshaphat says, are there not prophets up here that we can inquire of? Now remember, they didn't have the word of God. They weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. They relied solely on the word of prophets to guide them in the ways of the Lord. And so Jehoshaphat at least had enough spiritual sense that he goes, are there not prophets up here that can tell us what to do? And Ahab goes, yeah, I got prophets. Verse number five, he summons all of his prophets, 400 on the payroll of King Ahab. And all these prophets are gonna prophesy exactly what he wants to hear. How many of you know we live in a day today, people have itching ears. Oh, they want to hear smooth things. Let me tell you, if you just want to build up your self-esteem, you're in the wrong church. 
you got the wrong pastor. I don't want to build up my self-esteem. I want to humble myself, and I want to repent, and I want to be right with God. Amen. Amen. I have no interest in filling up every chair and telling everybody about what a great life God will give you and how he'll... uh, No, I'm not going to tell people what they want to hear. I'm going to say whatever thus saith the Lord. Period. And here he had 400 men who were just going to prophesy whatever sounded good and going to make them sound good. And, but again, see, Jehoshaphat had enough spiritual sense about him. Jehoshaphat had been with the Lord. He knew the Lord. And in verse number 6, I want you to look at it. 400 prophets are prophesying, yeah, go, this is good. And Jehoshaphat goes, isn't there, isn't there one more prophet we can check with? I get, a, I get a feeling that Jehoshaphat's like, yeah, these guys are on the payroll. This, this don't add up. I, I don't. And you would have thought that that would have been red flag after red flag after red flag. But no. And the king Ahab goes, yeah, I've got another prophet. His name is Micaiah. And he hates me. He always prophesies against me. It's a waste of time. And in verse 7, we're introduced to this prophet named Micaiah. They give him a warning. The messenger comes and says, listen, 400 prophets are saying they ought to go to battle. Here's a word to the wise. I just agree with them, and I would tell the king whatever he wanted to hear. Look at verse 13. Micaiah says, as the Lord lives, I will say whatever the Lord speaks. Boy, we need men like that today. Amen. You read on from verse 7 down to verse 22. He doesn't just tell the king what he wants to hear. He tells the king about a vision that he has. Very bizarre. Tells the king, all these prophets are lying to you. You go to war. The Lord has declared disaster against you. Then I want you to look at verse 23. Now, this is crazy. The prophet... That told the king, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, you, you would just laugh if I tried to pronounce his name. You can, you can, you, you do it. And if you can do it, do it three times and I'll be quite impressed. He gives an analogy to the king, takes these horns and says, here, you're going you're gonna to push against the enemy. And Micaiah, the true prophet, comes and he goes, no, you go, it's going to be disaster. The Lord has declared disaster against you. That other prophet this is some real Jerry Springer stuff. He comes, he comes up. Look at it. It's in verse 23. And he strikes Micaiah across the face and says, By which way did the Spirit of God come? <laughs> I don't know if you pick it up, but that's biblical insult. They had a boxing ring. Who knows what would have happened? And the king, Ahab, listen, this is, this is crazy. Looks at Micaiah and says, throw him in prison. Feed him meager rations. Only give him food and water until I return in peace. And you know what Micaiah does? That godly backbone he had. He tells the entire people. He says, listen up. He said, if this king comes home, then I did not speak of the Lord. 
Now, to me, this is where it gets very bizarre. Verse number 28. They hauled Micaiah off to prison. And do you know what godly Jehoshaphat does? He goes, all right, let's go to war. What are you doing, Jehoshaphat? He watched all of this play out. Red flag after red flag, warning after warning. And he still did the most boneheaded thing he could have ever done. Oh, but it's going to get worse. That godless king Ahab, look what he says in verse 29. Now say amen if you're with me. Because this is hard to believe. Ahab tells this bonehead Jehoshaphat. Listen to what he tells him. When we go to war, you wear your kingly robes. And I'm going to disguise myself as a warrior. Let me translate for you, Jehoshaphat. Let me put the biggest target on your back that I can put. Dum-dum. What is he thinking? Let me tell you what I think Jehoshaphat's thinking. And he may kick my shins when I get to heaven. I don't know. He said, man, you're hard on me. Jeez. Let me tell you what I think Jehoshaphat's thinking. Jehoshaphat may not have seen his father repent. But let me tell you what I think he did grow up hearing. His father, Asa, faced the Ethiopian army of one million men. Statistically, Judah should have never won that war. But you know who fought on their behalf? God Almighty. And I think from a little child, I think Jehoshaphat grew up hearing stories about that war. I think when his father tucked him in at night, Jehoshaphat said, Dad, tell me one more time. Tell me about that war. And you know what I think? I think when Jehoshaphat had an opportunity to go to war, he didn't realize just how serious of a thing that it is. And may I give a word to some of you precious people today. Some of you do not realize how dangerous. Some of you do not realize how lethal spiritual warfare truly is. You're playing games spiritually. You're messing with things you have no business messing in. You're entertaining things you have no business entertaining. And you're out here swinging on monkey bars on the merry-go-round thinking that Satan is going to be okay with you. And friends, he's not. He's put a target on you and your family. And you better realize how serious of a thing that warfare is. I think Jehoshaphat went to war thinking, my dad did it and I can do it. I think he went to war thinking, God worked for him, God will work for me. And he took it for granted. He was no longer seeking the Lord. He was with the people of Baal. Would that describe your life today? Did you start out so well with the Lord? Did you start out so sensitive to him? Did you start out loving your Bible and loving the things of God? Did you start out in godliness? Do you know what godliness is? Godliness is when you love godly things. And did some of you start out loving godly things, but now you look around and all that fills your life are things of the world. 
Are you in places you have no business being? Are you around people making alliances, making friendships, making business deals, making partnerships, entertaining marriages that you have no business doing? Learn from Jehoshaphat's life. So they go to war. Now, what? Dum-dum didn't realize is that the Syrian army in verse 30, here's what they say to each other. Don't worry about the army, great or small. Go after one thing. Anybody see what it is in the Bible? The king. Are you kidding me, Jehoshaphat? You couldn't see that coming a mile away? Oh, how many of you know we do dumb things sometimes, don't we? You know what the problem is with sheep? They're defenseless. They're dirty. Oh, sheep get filthy. And they're dumb. (laughs) They're dumb, dirty, and defenseless. That's the problem with sheep. And we all, like sheep, have gone astray, have we not? We do dumb things, don't we? We do things we regret. But this is what Jehoshaphat did. He gets out in the middle of the war and, oh, (laughs) Jehoshaphat, whose heart is courageous in all the ways of the Lord. Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord and not the gods of Baal. Jehoshaphat, who the Lord was with him. Jehoshaphat, who set up the teaching of the law throughout all of Judah. Jehoshaphat, who did so well, finds himself in the middle of the battle and the army is ahead of him and the army has flanked him. And now they're coming in from all sides. And guess who target number one is? Joseph. But I want you to look at verse 31. What does he do? Oh, thank God for this verse in the Bible. And Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord, and the Lord helped him. The Lord rescued him. The Lord saved him. How many of you have been there in life before where you made dumb decisions? You got off the track. You got off in the weeds. You found yourself in deep sin, but you called upon the name of the Lord, and the Lord rescued you, and the Lord drew you out of that pit. He brought you out of the miry clay. He once again set your feet upon a rock. That's what the grace of God does. Amen. And today you may find yourself here and you may say, oh my gosh, I am Jehoshaphat. I've, I've, I've offended the Lord and I've moved away from the Lord. Let me tell you what to do. Cry out to the Lord today and he'll bring you back and he'll rescue you and he'll save you and he'll deal kindly with you. Verse 33. Now remember what the prophet said. The prophet said, Ahab, if you come back from this war, then I've not spoke of the Lord. And I want you to watch the sovereign hand of God orchestrating every event. Notice what it says. A random soldier. Oh, how many of you know nothing's random with the Lord? There are no coincidences with the Lord. Do you realize that the Lord from his holy throne never, never is shocked. The Lord never goes, oh. Oh. Thank God for it. Amen. And a random soldier took his arrow 
shot that arrow. And guess where it landed? In a spot right between his armor. Most likely it severed an artery. And by the end of that battle, facing the Syrian army slumped over in his chariot, that wicked, godless man Ahab breathed his last. Now go to chapter 19, and this is where I begin to conclude. Jehoshaphat was not as effective as what he could have been. Jehoshaphat made an alliance that he did not live to see the consequences of. But listen to what Jehoshaphat had the ability to do. He had the ability to receive the correction of the Lord. Chapter 19, verse 1, he gets back to Jerusalem safely, thank God, because he made about the most bonehead decision he could have ever made in the heat of the battle. And a prophet comes to him named Jehu. Now it's interesting who Jehu is. Do you remember the prophet that prophesied to his father Asa that because he would not rely on the Lord, he'd have war from then on out? Well, guess who Jehu is? He's the son of that same prophet. And what was that prophet in chapter 16, I believe, with his father Asa, now Jehu, the prophet's son, is prophesying to Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa. Asa rejected the word of the Lord. But do you know what Jehoshaphat did? He received it. He repented. Friends, are you that sensitive to the Lord today? Can the Lord speak to you and you receive it? Can the Lord correct you and you receive it? Why don't you bow your heads today? Many people here today in many different situations. Some of you have made great mistakes. Let me tell you, my friend, the Lord can give beauty for ashes. Satan would tell you that God can't restore it. Yes, he can. Satan would tell you that God can't redeem. Yes, he can. And let me tell you the number one reason I know that. It's because no matter how wicked Judah became, God would not break his own covenant. And I don't care what mistakes you've made. I don't care how gross your sin has been. I don't care how how negligent perhaps you have been. Listen, God will not break his covenant with you. When we are faithless, God is faithful, the Bible says. So you don't listen to the lies of Satan. If you're trusting God to restore, if you're trusting God to redeem, if you're trusting God to rescue you, let me tell you, he makes beauty of ashes. And he'll do it in your family and he'll do it in your life. Some of you are in the heat of battle right now. You're, you're, in, the, you're, you're in the place where you, you've already made poor decisions and now Satan is targeting you and <coughs> you don't know what to do. Let me tell you what to do, Jehoshaphat. Cry out to the Lord. 
cry out to me. And he'll help you. He'll bring you back home safely like he did in chapter 19, verse 1. Some of you are in the throes of decisions. Some of you are in the end of 18 going into 19 chapter. you're, You're about to make disastrous decisions. Let me tell you, Jehoshaphat should be a beacon of light to you. Inquire of the Lord. Don't move without Him. Don't make decisions without Him. Inquire of Him. Is your heart courageous today? Are you courageous in all the ways of the Lord? Will you obey God when no one else in your life is? Students, as you go to school this year, as you face unbelievable pressure and temptation and godlessness and wickedness, is your heart courageous in the ways of God? Before you walk the halls of your school, you should do a check today. Is your heart courageous in the ways of God? Let the Lord speak to you today. Because I tell you, my friends, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a hard sermon today, but let me tell you why. God doesn't just want you happy right now. God wants you happy years from now. God wants to bless your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. He wants to help you to avoid mistakes that have consequences for generations to come. God, listen, it's not just your happiness here. It's your happiness in heaven. It's your happiness throughout eternity. And God will help you make great decisions. He'll come alongside. He'll help you. He'll encourage you. The Lord will be with you. Oh, what a statement. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Oh, may God be with me. May God be with you. Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more? I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. awakentograce.com slash store.